Chattery episode 8. I'm Hope Wilson. I'm Gloria Wilson. I'm Dana Wilson. Would you two like to introduce yourselves? <laughs> I'm Hope's mom. <laughs> I'm Hope's sister. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what are your qualifications for being here? Uh, I'm kidding. Oh my gosh. Uh, we're really, nepotism. <laughs> we're, yeah, nepotism at its finest. <laughs> Fair enough. It's worked for many generations of humans. <laughs> That's how you make sure your offspring survives. <laughs> yep, I, I sure am looking out for my offspring right yep. now. Boy. <laughs> you, I mean, you wouldn't want your relatives to do poorly either. Okay. I guess. We're part of the same generation. Okay, the same genes. so we're here it's to talk relevant. about hydrogen storage today. Oh, wow. Hydrogen storage? Wow. What's hydrogen storage? Oh, so hydrogen is a fuel that you can use in fuel cells or other places. And storage is just the question of how do we get this hydrogen where it's going? So the reason this is a research question is that currently... Doesn't hydrogen like to go kablooey? Oh, it does like to go kablooey. Absolutely. Um, Is that going to be a problem with this new whatever we're discussing? We're discussing a lot of things, so not always. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) I mean, not, like, hoping for them, but hoping for good stories. You're exactly like Spencer. Sorry. <laughs> no, th- you don't need to apologize for that. <laughs> um, so, the reason we're talking about this is that currently, what is mostly used for hydrogen storage is compressed hydrogen, which, if you've got it in gas form, first off, you're not going to be able to compress the volume very well. Um, oh, I should have looked up the numbers. Maybe I have them. Isn't gas pretty compressible, though? Not enough. Hmm. So are you talking liquid hydrogen? So, the thing about liquid hydrogen is... Okay, so gaseous hydrogen, even at 800 bars, which is a lot of pressure, your density for gaseous hydrogen is less than 40 kilograms per meter cubed, and you can do a lot better than that. Um, I could, I could show you a picture that's like a car with a cylinder of gas at 200 bars next to it, and the cylinder of gas is like, it's a lot of hydrogen. Pretty you big. don't want to have to like that's that's like your entire trunk at least. Mm-hmm. Um, How big is the typical gas tank? I don't know. How do you know? <laughs> no, it runs Maybe. anywhere from 10 gallons to the trucks have a lot more mm-hmm. than. <laughs> We had a little car with 10 gallon. I think that was the smallest gas tank I ever had. So for those of you who like numbers, if you want a 400 kilometer range for your car, you want either 24 kilograms of gasoline or a hydrogen fuel cell with only 4 kilograms of hydrogen. So hydrogen is packing like 6 times more energy per kilogram than gas. However, that 24 kilograms of gasoline is taking up about 9 gallons of space. And that four kilograms of hydrogen, if it's in gaseous form at 200 bar, 
is taking up 60 gallons of space, which is a lot more than nine. Liquid hydrogen is at 15 gallons, which isn't that much worse than gasoline, but we will talk about the issues there in just a sec. So that's the issue with gas. So you have to keep it at a lot of pressure, which is a little dangerous. And it's also still pretty big um, for how much gas you would need to like have a reasonable amount of driving range. Uh, liquid hydrogen is at 70-ish kilograms per liter, which, oh sorry, kilograms per meter cubed, which is more than the 40 we said for gas at 800 bars. But hydrogen, liquid hydrogen, needs to be kept at cryogenic. Really yeah. Really cold. So yep. there's that, but there's also that you need to be able to, like, the hydrogen that, even if you've got it really well isolated, insulated, you're still going to have some liquid converting into gas. You're still going to have some heat getting in. And you need to be able to release that gas or it's going to explode. Um, Bang! So you <laughs> need... Y'all are distracting and also it's very early. Yes. Okay. Very early. Yes. So we need to release gas so we don't explode. That is true of humans, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Can confirm. <laughs> I've never exploded those. <coughs> no, personally. Um, so no. you have you have this dual issue of like you need to have something very very insulated insulated but you also need to be able to vent gas as it comes off and that's like a big engineering problem but nonetheless interestingly high liquid hydrogen is used a lot in like space stuff because it's so light like it's it's a very high um i think the word is specific impulse or something but basically it's a lot of energy per unit mass so it's pretty bad in terms of volume but good in terms of mass um, and that's kind of what you want for a rocket or something. Because you don't want to have to lift that much, but you want it, lots of energy. So, do you have questions about why hydrogen gas or liquid hydrogen are not the greatest and why people are looking into better solutions, potentially? Well, it sounds like we should be looking into better solutions. Oh, great. Wow, we're all in agreement. So, you've got chemical storage and you've got physical storage. Chemical storage is when you've got hydrogen held by chemical bonds. So every time you want hydrogen, you have to break those bonds and take it away. Every time you want to store the hydrogen, you got to form those bonds. Uh, physical storage is hydrogen held by weak forces, such as the van der Waals force. Are y'all... Nope, don't know it. <laughs> Never heard of her. <laughs> okay, so van der Waals force, um, funny thing, I've been having to think about it for years but I kind of forgot what it actually was I just think of it as like a weak force that works on a molecular level like holding like for example graphite you know how it's made up of um, layers of graphene yes yeah so each layer is made up of carbon bonds that are bonded to each other but the relationship between the layers that's van der Waals oh that's why, so it's a weak force. That's why you, you can have slipping and sliding. Right. That's do. why you mm -hmm. can just like peel off a layer with tape. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, so that's kind of the important thing to know. Everything else I forgot for years, but I'll go through it anyway. Um, <laughs> so like what is Van der Waals forces? It's basically to do with the arrangements of electrons. In, so if we, if we just take the graphite example, um, maybe... 
you've got one carbon atom above another carbon atom and they're in two different layers, but one of them just happens to have more electrons on its bottom side at the current moment. And so the atom below it also kind of adjusts so it has more electrons on its bottom side. And so they're kind of being pulled together by the fact that negative attracts positive. Okay. So these, because these arrangements of electrons are not permanent, um, you know, it's always changing, and that's, I think, part of the reason why this is a weak force, is because it's just, everything's always changing. Even if they're just sitting there? Yeah. Okay. So electrons are just running around. They're just running. Can't, All right. can't fence them in. <laughs> Don't fence them. Yeah. Questions about Van der Waals? Nope. I like it. Okay. Um, so you can use that. You can... You can actually have like little carbon nanostructures where you've got hydrogen kind of physically chilling on all the all the surfaces. Um, how do you get it? To, how do you convince it to stay there? Like, under what circumstances would a hydrogen atom become attracted in this way to um, like a carbon structure? So I think. Okay, so you asked how do hydrogen atoms get absorb adsorbed onto carbon. Um, yep. First off, since we're talking about physical and not chemical storage right now, there aren't going to be bonds. That means most likely the hydrogen's still in molecular form, so it's in the form of H2. So it's not individual atoms you're thinking about. Sure. But like I said before, how they kind of get stuck there is... The Van der Waals force. So they just like bang up against it and they're like, oh, like, I guess I like it here. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think they do have like porous structures. So that probably helps a lot. Like I think you can imagine like hydrogen. Well, like if there's a little pocket and the hydrogen just happens to go in there and then it's like, oh, what a comfortable little cave. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, well, then it's like, it's then there's, like, more harder for it to get out the, again yeah. if it's in a porous structure. Um, okay. But yeah, no, I think just generally, like, Van der Waals forces are holding it there. So they're not holding it very strongly, but they're holding it. But that's kind of a bonus, because the thing about chemical storage is often you form these really stable structures, and then... You have to ask really nicely to get it back. You have to heat it way the heck up to get your hydrogen back out. <laughs> but chemical storage does tend to take up less volume, is a general trend I've noticed, which I mm. think is kind of intuitive, because it's like... If you've got something bonded in there more strongly, right, that's you can be taking up less yeah. space. So I actually love this. You'd think that pure hydrogen would be the most hydrogen-dense substance you can get, right? Like solid hydrogen clocks in at around 90 kilograms per meter cubed. And you would think that that would be the most hydrogen you could squeeze into a cubic meter. But most of the hydrides we are going to discuss do better than that, which is pretty cool, because it's like if you wanted to fit a bunch of books in your backpack, but the only way to fit all of your books in it was to put a bunch of metal into your backpack so that the books could bond with the metal. <laughs> That's exactly what's happening here, except that the books are the hydrogen. I love it. Plus, with with the physical storage, you really gotta, you gotta have surface area. Mm-hmm. Um, with chemical storage, you, I mean, it's good to have more surface area because you, that's, that means you can charge and discharge more quickly. You can, mm -hmm. like, fill your spots with hydrogen and then get rid of them again more quickly if you have more surface area. But technically, you could have bulk hydrogen chemical storage if you wanted. 
How are these solutions different from, so like gasoline is a bunch of carbon and hydrogen. Mm-hmm. Why is that not a good solution for... Oh, for removing the hydrogen? I mean, I know that the carbon also turns into carbon dioxide, so like it's also involved in the burning process. But I mean, so if, if you burn up gas, you get you get like carbon dioxide and water, right? Right. So, well, the problem of like how do we split water into hydrogen is a big problem. Takes a lot of energy. Yeah. I guess I don't understand what the point of hydrogen storage in particular is. Um, that's a great question. So, why would we use hydrogen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of like hydrogen plus carbon. Mm-hmm. So the energy density is pretty good there, as mm-hmm. I understand it. <laughs> so let's think about the environment for a second, Dana. <laughs> Sure. Let's. <laughs> um, in theory, so certainly, certainly you can you can look at how much energy it takes to produce like a hydrogen, like just an amount of hydrogen that you can use to power a fuel cell, and say, I, I mean, I I was reading a paper which I'll link in the description, which was like, yeah, the amount of energy that it takes to use like. I have the list here. Required to isolate hydrogen from natural compounds, package the gas, transfer the gas to the user, and then the energy lost just by like the efficiency of the fuel cell leaves you like 25% of the original energy. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously an issue if you're using gasoline or something to generate your hydrogen. But if you're using solar power, sure. Um, and that's that's a big area of research is just like how to split water into hydrogen and oxygen using the sun. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? No. <laughs> the point of using, like, why are we trying to get hydrogen in particular? Um, like I was saying, it's a very light fuel. Mm-hmm. So, so is this for, like, space applications? Are we just curious about what we can do? It's, it's an alternative to, like, electric battery powered vehicles like it's okay so we're thinking about this for like land vehicles we've got hydrogen and we've got batteries and then we have fossil fuels like those are our options does that make sense like okay so that's why we're considering hydrogen is because batteries aren't exactly perfect yet either mm-hmm. okay and i i do say like you know yes we're considering it for land vehicles yeah you've got i think toyota is really oh okay i think it's BMW has a bunch of prototypes. Toyota has an actual, like, car you can drive, I think, um, Mm -hmm. as of 2017. Uh, So people are trying this. Hmm. And I I think people are all, even even the people who are trying this are kind of acknowledging that, like, yeah, it doesn't really make sense right now. Um, (laughs) But assuming that the technology to isolate hydrogen gets better than isolate and or store and or transport. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think the idea is, like, you can't you can't just use solar power to generate gasoline right now. And even if you did, you're still, like, making something that's going to pollute more. Well, but if you're pulling an equivalent amount of carbon out of the atmosphere and then putting it back, that should be net neutral. Should be, but it sounds like a dang lot of work. The whole, okay, the whole, the, the problem of how to, like, like ca- carbon capture... 
That's Hampshire, a huge that's problem. Okay. That's like yeah. very expensive, very difficult. Mm-hmm. So I think if if we were able oh, so to do that right now, we're looking at separating water into oxygen and hydrogen yeah. instead of like capturing hydrogen. Right. Okay. I get it now. Yeah. So I was like, but if you have to capture the hydrogen anyway, why oh. don't you just capture the carbon? But we're not talking about that. So this makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sold. All right. Carry on. Okay. <laughs> Next. Um. I was going to talk some more about chemical hydrogen storage, just because that's what I know the most about. So, as I was saying, um, just we're just going to take one example. We're going to take magnesium hydride. It's too dang stable for practical purposes, meaning it loves having hydrogen in there. So, MGH2. <laughs> My mom is taking notes. Yeah, I'm trying to keep track of everything. <laughs> um... Right, so it requires a temperature of 275 degrees Celsius to release hydrogen at one bar of hydrogen, which is like atmospheric pressure, if it's all hydrogen. Um, Lithium hydride is even worse. That's You have to go up to 910 degrees Celsius. Ooh, that is toasty. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. But a fun thing about that is magnesium hydride becomes less stable with decreasing particle size. Um... So they've done some, like... So if you just crush it up? Yeah, ball milling is, is one way that, that they try what? to do this. Ball milling is where you um, you have a container with a bunch of little balls in it. <laughs> and you shake it? <coughs> Literally, yes. <laughs> so well, you'd, you'd have this container with the balls, and then you put some magnesium hydride in. It's, it's already in powder form. Like, oh. you already crushed it into a powder, but now you want it even smaller. Um, and then you pour some solvent in, like... I don't know what they would use for this specifically, but ethanol or something. And then you put it in a machine that shakes it around for you for a bit. And now you have nanoparticles. <laughs> um, so so a particle that is 0.9 nanometers in diameter, which is very teeny, is predicted to release hydrogen at only 200 degrees C instead oh, wow. of 275. Mm. That's, a, that's, that's an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so... The reason this kind of works uh, is when a particle gets smaller, it's got fewer bonds, like each atom on average has fewer bonds because more of the particle is surface, Mm -hmm. and surface atoms don't have as many bonds as the atoms like in the middle. Mm -hmm. Another cool thing about metal hydrides is there's this huge range of structures you can have to explore, so... It's, it's like, oh, maybe we'll, you know, eventually find one that works really well, because there's all these ones out there. But, um, so, along with metals, you can also combine those with other elements, and that, that provides you more of a range to work with, and also often, like, makes it so these structures are not as stable. But, um, so, magnesium borohydride is a thing, um, mm-hmm. and even <laughs> <laughs> mg parentheses BH4 parentheses 2. Okay. Borons in it and magnesium and a bunch of hydrogen. And it's got several different phases even just for this one structure. Thank you. <laughs> What's relevant? Big range of metal yes. hydrides and complex hydrides that you can look at. Gotcha. So a hydride is just something that has like hydrogen attached to it. Yeah. Bonded to it. Yeah, okay. As opposed to Van der Waals. Just stuck to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not like you taped it on. 
So, so back to back to nanostructuring. Um, as I said, it can destabilize your hydride and make it so that you now don't have to work as hard to get the hydrogen out. Um, but it also provides more surface area, which means better kinetics, meaning the more surface area you have, the quicker you can get hydrogen in and out of these particles. And also that decreases Right, so increased surface area, decreased diffusion distance that you need. Those are kind of two sides of the same coin, um, same outcome, better kinetics. Um, right. So that's why you want particles to be real small. But you do have this problem where with cycling, so like where you charge it up with hydrogen and then take the hydrogen away and then repeat, repeat, repeat. Nanoparticles tend to agglomerate. Mm -hmm. um, uh oh. One second. Back in the ball mill. Yep. <laughs> Break it up, kids. <laughs> so yes, particles tend to agglomerate. They also, you have this issue of like, when the hydrogen comes in, the particle expands. When the hydrogen goes back out, the particle shrinks and you get breakage and lots of things that aren't great. So what people have been trying to do is nano-confinement in supporting materials. So instead Whoa. of just having nanoparticles sitting by themselves, you stick them in like mesoporous carbon or mesoporous silica. So now you have little... Little cages? Yeah. Little cages. And then you can harvest that back out mm -hmm. easily. Well, you leave them in the cage, right? And just have the... You have the hydrogen... Wait. Yeah, so you... Leave. Oh, got you it. Leave, yeah. Like, okay, I'm <laughs> getting the picture now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, that's, that's all I, I had about hydrogen storage, and maybe it was too much. But... It's like if you had a dog house with a dog in it, in a little, like, enclosure... And you had a bunch of those, and then you could let the dogs out easily, and they would get back. The dog is the hydrogen. Wait, what's the metal? What? What's oh, whatever the house is. The dog house? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's basically what's, what's happening, the, right? What's the supporting material? The fence? I mean, this isn't a particularly practical design yeah. that I'm mm -hmm. thinking about. Like, you wouldn't just have, like, a stack of dog houses. <laughs> but if you did... Well, you'd need something separating all the dog houses. Right, yeah, you can't... You like fences? Yeah. Like fences. Okay. Okay. You were asking about, I don't think you were actually asking about how can we extract hydrogen from hydrocarbon things like gas, but... Uh, no, that seems like it would be sort of inefficient since yeah. hydrocarbons are great to burn. Yeah, also like the hydrogen is just really stuck in there. So I just had an example of like uh, cyclohexane, which is C6H12 requires temperatures of greater than 300 degrees Celsius to release six hydrogen atoms and form benzene, which is C6H6. That's not as bad as uh, lithium hydride, though. No, well, that's why we don't use lithium hydride ever. Sure, can I do it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was just an example. Um, okay, so the one other thing I wanted to add, we already covered why hydrogen is good for space applications, but it's also good for submarines, apparently. This is a little bit of a bummer because this is absolutely a military application. Like this is, we're talking about weapons now. But oh. <laughs> um, I still, it's kind of cool to think about. Bang, bang. <laughs> no, that's the opposite of. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're talking about submarines. So the big deal with this. Um, so some Germans made a submarine in Great. Germany. Okay. It's called the U212A, if anyone <laughs> wants to look that up. Um, it's got a hydrogen fuel cell in it instead of, like, a combustion engine. And this lets it not give off noise or exhaust heat. 
oh. which means, which is good because what you want in a submarine is stealth. Mm-hmm. Like I think, I guess, I guess what I'm learning is that the point of submarines is to find other submarines, and you can't sneak up on them if you're like, like you look really cool. What but... do I do with the um, <laughs> the byproducts? Uh, that's the thing about fuel cells, right? Hydrogen fuel cells is the byproduct is just water. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Amazing. Um, oh, and the other... Surely it's still warm, though. But I guess not necessarily as warm as... You know, I think you're right that some heat is generated, but you're not literally forming the energy by burning stuff. Okay. So the other thing that is beneficial about this for submarines is that uh so a combustion engine needs oxygen to operate yes you don't have to worry about this if you're in your car because you're just you just got air all the time yeah if you're in a submarine you don't you don't you're not but um so so if you have like a diesel engine in a submarine you gotta come up every i don't know i don't know how often you have to come up and get air but you have to plan you're coming up very carefully so you don't yeah. <laughs> with the hydrogen, you don't need to do that, and you can stay underwater for longer, which I'm sure is super fun for the people in the submarines. <laughs> I bet they're like, yes, oh, I get to stay I in the this sunlight. cramped state. <laughs> I just don't have to move even for weeks at a time. I bet that's great. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm going to go. Um, excuse you. First, you have to say goodbye to our listeners. Goodbye, listeners of Hope's podcast. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye, listeners. Bye.